You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. This is, this is what we believe. We believe the, the Trinity in unity and unity in the Trinity. And again, this is, uh, we're, we're celebrating Trinity Sunday a week late this year to give you an idea of the calendar of the church. We've got um, kind of in the middle of it, we've got Easter, the, the Lenten season that leads to Easter. Uh, Fifty days after Easter is Pentecost. Uh, and that's what uh, uh, Vicar Rathke talked to, uh, to us a couple weeks ago about, uh, about when God sends His Spirit into the earth uh, to be with His people. Uh, and then the week after that is traditionally Trinity Sunday. Uh, but because we had VBS, uh, we wanted to celebrate what, what God was teaching those students here. And so we moved Trinity Sunday back uh, a week. But, but Trinity Sunday is not let's celebrate us, right? It's not Trinity Lutheran Church School and Early Childhood Sunday. It is the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's, it celebrates the mystery of the unity between those three persons. And, and to me, the key word there is mystery, the mystery of the unity. We confess that, that the Trinity is three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, but yet at the same time is one God, right? This is what we believe and teach and confess, yet to our human brains, it does not make sense at all, right? How can three distinct persons at the same time be one God. I don't know, right? But, but that's who God says that He is. And, and so there's a part of me that wants to spend the next 5, 10, 30 minutes uh, explaining as best I can who the Trinity is and how the Trinity works in and amongst itself. But, but every analogy that I would use to help you, to help me understand who the Trinity is, would always fall short. Maybe you've heard some of those analogies. Maybe you've heard that the water or that the, the Trinity is like water, right? The three different forms of water uh, is, is how we see the water, right? We see it as liquid, as water. We see it as solid, right? As ice. And we also see it as vapor when, when we see it as steam. But as, as you might have heard, that's modalism, Patrick. That's an inside joke. If you get it, yay. If not, watch Lutheran satire. Uh, but modalism is an ancient heresy. A heresy means a false belief that's been condemned by the church. But modalism is an ancient heresy that confesses that God is not three distinct persons, but instead He reveals Himself in three different ways. The same would be true if you talk about God as, you know, uh, how a man can be a, a father and a son, right, and a grandparent, at the same time. Well, yes, but no. Or, or maybe you've heard that the Trinity is like the sun. The, the sun is a star that gives off light and heat. But that would be another ancient heresy called Arianism, where Arianism teaches that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and are thus not one nature with Him, just like light and heat are creations of the Son. Or maybe you've heard that God is like an egg or an apple, or a three-leaf clover, right? An egg has a shell, and, and the egg white, and the yolk, the apple has the skin, or the peel, and the flesh, and then the seeds, and a three-leaf clover has three distinct leaves on it. 
But again, in all three of these analogies, it, it takes three parts to make up the whole object, right? You don't have a whole egg with just the egg yolk. You, you don't have a whole apple with just the seeds, and you don't have a whole three-leaf clover with just one of the leaves. And then with the egg and the apple, those are made up of three different, distinct, and unlike parts. So these analogies deny the, the unity of the Godhead, and they instead teach that there's not one God, but, but three distinct gods. So then how do we explain the Trinity? Well, again, first we need to go back to the definition of, uh, of the, what Trinity Sunday is, that it celebrates the mystery of the unity. It really is a mystery. But then we look to those, to those things throughout the church that have helped others understand the Trinity, and that's why, we, that's why we confess the Athanasian Creed. I know it's long, I know it's, it's hard to understand at times, but the Trinity is very, or the Athanasian Creed is very clear that there are not three gods, but one God. There are not three lords, but one Lord, that, that the Father is neither made nor created, the Son is neither made nor created, the Holy Spirit is neither made nor created. There, there are three persons, co-eternal, and this one's the hard one for me to understand, that also co-equal. It's really hard, as we think about the Trinity, to not put them in a hierarchy, right? To not say that the, the Father is the first, the best, and then there's the Son, and then, then there's the Holy Spirit. But they're not. They're co-equal. There is no hierarchy within the Trinity. Now, you're not God, I don't think. Uh, I'm not God, right? And so, we will never understand God fully. There will be things like the Trinity, like Jesus being fully son and, or fully man and fully God. There are things like that that we will just absolutely never understand. Uh, but, and there are things that the more we think about them, the more actually our brains start to hurt because we can't, it just doesn't work. And the more that our brains hurt, the more that we try and explain things. And so then when we try and explain things using words that God hasn't given to us, that's when we get them wrong, and that's why, they're, that's why we have these creeds, because there were uh, heresies like Arianism, there were heresies like modalism that were teaching bad teachings throughout the church. And again, the Trinity is one of those things that we're just never going to understand. And, and so I really believe that's why Jesus tells us to have a childlike faith, Reasoning, the, 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 the idea that we need to make everything fit inside a box, fit inside our understanding, that reasoning doesn't fully develop in, until well into our adulthood. So childlike faith means that not everything has to make complete sense. Now, I know that hurts our adult brains, uh, but for kids' brains, it doesn't even phase them. And we have to remember that, and I'm going to use an analogy that falls very short here, uh, but we have to remember that if we were to compare our brains, our understanding to God's understanding, which again, we cannot actually compare those, uh, but it would be like asking a two-year-old to explain astrophysics. Right? It's just not going to happen. There, there's no way possible that that would happen, and there's no way possible that we're ever going to be able to understand everything because God is so different and so other and so much higher than we are. And so for me, that's why I love the catechism, right? The catechism is written for dads. Luther wrote it for dads, wrote it for heads of households to teach their children in a simple way. If you look at the beginning of every section of the catechism, it says, uh, for the head of the household to teach his family in a simple way. 
Right, today I wore my, my once a year special socks, best dad ever. Woo! My kids got these for me a couple years ago, um, and so I wear them once a year. Uh, but I don't think I'm the best dad ever. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think I'm the best dad ever, but what I do know is as we look at God's Word, as we look at what Luther teaches, the only dads that are in the running for best dad ever are those that pass down their faith to their children. Deuteronomy 6 is a great place to read about that, as is Malachi 4 and Luke 1, as well as Ephesians 6, as fathers are called to bring up their children in discipline and instruction of the Lord. The catechism is a great place to teach about who God is, and then in my opinion, more importantly, about what He is doing in my life and in your life today. Now, next fall, I'm going to be teaching a Bible class uh, about the basics of our faith and how we can apply them, so I'd love for you all to join me for that. That'd be a great way to, to, to take those basics and then be able to pass them down in our homes. But Luther uses the Apostles' Creed to teach dads, to teach their kids about God and about the Trinity. And again, Trinity Sunday, we confessed the Athanasian Creed, uh, but, but typically we confess the Apostles' Creed. So it's one that you probably all know, even if you never took a class on the catechism, even if you never sat down to memorize it, you probably, many of you have it memorized because it's a simple way to teach, right? And the Creed, it teaches us how the Trinity works together. Now, now the Greeks, had, they had a word for the way that the Trinity works in and amongst itself. Uh, that Greek word was perichoreo. Um, peri means like, like we get our word perimeter. The prefix peri is perimeter. It means around. So, and then choreo is where we get our, uh, our word choreography. So to dance. So to peri choreo means to dance around. The Trinity, as it works in and amongst itself, it dances. And, and there are different times where different persons of the Trinity are leading the dance. The Father leads the creation dance. The, the Son leads the, the justification dance, the, the work of salvation. And the Spirit leads the sanctification dance, the work of, uh, of raising you up in your faith and, and making you the person that Jesus has called you to be. So how does the Apostles' Creed teach us about those three distinct persons and the one God? Well, how many of you brought your catechism with you today? No? You can get it on your, on your phone. That's great. I got mine on my phone. Um, you can just, Luther's small catechism, it's great. Uh, but in your hymnals, and I'm going to ask you to pull those out today. Uh, in your hymnals, that's the one with the cross on the front. If it says Holy Bible, pick a different one. Um, but go to page 322, because uh, your catechism, the Luther's small catechism is in there, and we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed. Right, again, you all probably know the creed, but, but this also gives us some explanation. So, the first article teaches us about the Father. Again, that's where we see it starting on page 322, where we, where we see, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then Luther teaches us to say, what does that mean? Well, it means I believe that God made me and all creatures, that He has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. 
He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this He does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all of this, it is my duty to thank and praise and to serve and obey Him. This is most certainly true, right? And so, so it's easy, it can be easy sometimes to think about the Father as the Creator and think of it as something that He did all the way back in Genesis 1. And He created and then, that, and then now He's done sitting there twiddling His thumbs, right? But the Father is still leading the creation dance. Everything that you have today, your, your life, your body, your clothing, your food, your house, your family, all of those are gifts from the creating Father. And it's not because you deserve it, because you don't, right? I don't deserve it. But all this He does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. And so then for this, it is my duty to thank and to praise and to serve and obey Him. So my question for you today is, how do you thank the Father for His goodness to you, for all the good gifts that He gives to you? That's one of the reasons that we collect our tithes and offerings. It's a way that we can give back, that we can give thanks to God for the gifts that He has given to us. It's also why we, why we give diapers. It's why we uh, collect all these coins for, uh, for um, the Crisis Pregnancy Center, for, for LifeHouse, right? I just blanked on the name of that. Life Choices, there it is, and it's not even on there. I, I totally blanked. So for Life Choices, right? Because, because we want to, God wants to, the Father wants to use you to care for the needs of others, right? And so He uses you to give diapers to families in need, right? He uses you to give, uh, to give care and, and counseling to moms in need. Right, so this week, I want you to think about how you are thanking and praising and serving and obeying the Father for all that He has given to you. And then the, the second article teaches us about Jesus, right? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who is, conceived, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and so on. Well, what does this mean? It means that I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all my sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with His holy, innocent, precious, with His holy, precious blood and with His innocent suffering and death, that I may be His own and live under Him and in His kingdom and serve Him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as He has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right, Jesus saved you from your sins, right? You are, as we often confess, you are a poor, miserable sinner, but Jesus redeemed you. He bought you back from the death. And even though He owns everything, He didn't use gold or silver to buy you back. He used His holy, precious blood and His innocent suffering and death. And in doing so, He brought you out of death and into a life that's to be lived with a purpose. And what's that purpose? It's that you might be His own, that I might be His own, right? He makes you, He makes me His own child, and that I might live under Him in His kingdom and serve Him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. So how are you serving, in, how are you serving Jesus in your righteousness, innocence, and blessedness? Think about that this week. How do you serve Jesus with the way that you live your life? 
And then finally, the third article teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you've been following along with the Daily Dose, if you've been looking at the back of your bulletin, uh, the catechism work for last week uh, was the third article of the Creed, and this week it's the explanation, the first part of the explanation. Oh, so what do I believe? I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then the rest of the third article talks about those different areas in our lives that the Holy Spirit touches, right? The Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. So what does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. He's enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. And in the same way, He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, He daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, He will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Right? You don't have faith because of some decision that you made sometime in the past. You have faith. If you have faith in Jesus, it is because the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel. The Holy Spirit gave you faith, and then the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. He enlightens you with gifts, gifts to, to share with others. Right? And he, he gives you all different gifts. Again, maybe as we talked earlier, maybe that's by giving comfort to others, right? Working with the comfort dog team to, to be able to bring the comfort of the Spirit into others' lives. But the Holy Spirit, He works through people. He, he doesn't just work as a magician and say, may it be, and, and I mean, He can, but He chooses to work through people. And so if you have faith in Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel, and it's because the Holy Spirit has used someone in your life to share that gospel with you. Yeah, maybe as we, as we think about Father's Day today, maybe that was your dad. Or maybe it was a mom or a grandparent or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a day school teacher or someone else. Actually, in all likelihood, it was probably a combination of many of those people. But it's because the Spirit has worked through them to call you by the gospel that you have faith. So the last question I want to ask you today is, how, are, how, how is the Holy Spirit wanting to use you to call someone by the gospel, and, and, and then how will you respond to that call? Right? The Trinity, three persons, one God, all working together to, to create, to justify, and to sanctify you, and then using you to share the good news with those around you. Amen? Amen.